Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It took a while. I had this aha moment that really changed the trajectory of my life 10 years ago. And that's when I started coming back to my inner child and being who I said I was going to be. And conquering that mindset is key. You only go as far as what you see for yourself. If you do not reprogram that mindset, you will forever stay in that stuck place. And some people never get out of it. Conquering that mind, man, that's something that is just so, um, that's a journey in itself. Hey, this is Jennifer Vassell, and you are listening to Dreams and Drive. Hey, Dream Drivers, welcome to episode 340, and today's guest is Jennifer Vassell. Jennifer is the author and founder of I Am Unique, which is a self-love and children's media brand aimed to inspire kids and adults to overcome their insecurities and share their unique gifts with the world. She's someone who's been on my radar for a long time, so I was really happy that we were able to connect and make this interview happen. And there's a lot that we talk about about her dream driving journey. Jennifer shares about her inner child and the dreams that she had as a kid and how her adult life, you know, really has been now coming back to herself and coming back to who a younger Jennifer would be really proud of. I love that we talk about dreaming big in this episode and how we don't want to make things that make ourselves unique, such as introversion and other things, an excuse as to why we are not making our dreams come true. But before we get into today's episode, make sure that you're following us across social media. We are Dreams and Drive across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we're also on TikTok. If you want to join our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. All right, let's hear from Jennifer. Hey, Raina. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited. As I said your name just now, but I should have said it with a Jamaican accent, right? Oh. <laughs> You pitched the show. I want to say you like pitched a long time ago and then we were able to reconnect on LinkedIn when I put out another call for pitches. So I just want to say to anyone listening out there, like sometimes I just don't respond to things, but it's not because I don't want to. So following up is always good. And, you know, there's always spots for ha- to have your story being shared on the show. Yes, amazing. Yeah, and it definitely is a long time coming. I I do remember coming across you probably as early as 2017-ish. You know, oh, wow. I've always been connected. That's maybe yeah. dream driver days, right? <laughs> So as you know, I love to go back in time and really reflect on where we came from because I really feel like, you know, reflecting back on who we were as children can help kind of give some insight into who we were today. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to Southern California, right? That's where you grew up. Yep. What was inspiring the young Jamaican Jennifer, right? Growing up Jamaican in Southern California. Yes. First of all, are there a lot of Jamaicans there? Like, I don't I think there's a good, uh, there's a good Caribbean community here. Okay, like, a I'm on the East Coast. I feel like the East Coast Caribbean community just gets so much more play. So hearing there's about a- like West Coast Caribbeans, I'm always intrigued. It's definitely more concentrated on the East Coast, for sure. But, I mean, L.A., I would say, has its pockets, so... Okay, okay. But but, uh, growing up, like, what inspired me, I always loved reading and writing. I remember my mom would read to me at bedtime before I could even read. And I remember saying more, more, more after, <laughs> after each, each story. And she would be so tired from work. And she was like, no, no, Jennifer, I'm, I'm too tired. Let's, let's go to bed. And I remember distinctly saying that I can't wait to read. Um, I like, so I can read on my own. And sure enough, I started reading on my own. That really inspired my storytelling because you can transport yourself into a whole different world. Um, you can, learn about the characters different, like just learn about other people and how they live. And so that inspired my early writings. Um, I wrote my first poem at six, even my first short story at eight. So I was always a natural born writer and, and reading too. Um, even flipping through the pages and smelling the pages. I'm weird like that. Just <laughs> getting into those books, but yeah, books were my life. Things Did you that, save was, any of those stuff that you wrote? Yes, that you wrote I, I like to call myself an organized hoarder. I have my <laughs> schoolwork from 
elementary school projects. Um, in my childhood bedroom, I have all of the assignments and things that I used to do. I didn't throw anything away, really. Because it's just, I mean, it's artifacts to me, you know, it's just something I love to look back on things and remember what I was thinking about in that point of time. It's the key to like, I really do feel like looking back at those things. Like, I know one time I found this piece of paper that said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to make my family proud. I want to be a doctor. Uh I want to help children around the world. It was just things that like now I don't want to. I mean, I still want to make my family proud or whatever, but not like I don't want to be a doctor. You know, it's just things like. It's really interesting to see where your frame of mind was back then, Mm -hmm. right? Was there a big dream that you had as a young Jennifer? Yes, I remember always wanting to be a lawyer. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Like I, uh, but even I wanted to be a lawyer, but, and I think because uh, I didn't see anyone who looked like me writing or being a creative and making a living off of um, their creative works, I ended up navigating towards the the law route. And um, I got my bachelor's and master's in business administration, but it really shifted when I started coming back to myself. And we were talking about saving old assignments and old projects. I actually found something that I had wrote in seventh grade. And I think that teacher to this day, she actually had us write vision statements before we knew what vision statements were. Um, She had us write what we would be um, like when we're in our 20s, in our late 20s, in our 30s. And I was writing things like, oh, I want to be a children's writer. So I wrote that. And so I'm like, wait, that's crazy because I, I also crossed it out and put lawyer. And I remember crossing it out when I was in high school because I didn't really see that living example. And so the reason why I keep things, as I mentioned, is to look back at that point of time. I was declaring what I wanted to be back then, but through life, right, through experiences, it clouded my my mind. Um, But I'm really grateful that I was able to come back to myself and come back to who I believe I was called to be uh, early on. No, I love that story because I feel like it's something that a lot of us often do, right? It's like we know deep down what it is that we want, but then life happens, society happens, we go through things and we think that we have to like put away those dreams that we have for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like you always like the young Jennifer always knew it, but it kind of took you some time to get back to get back to that, right? Yes. Did you ever, when you were, oh no, keep going. No, I was going to say, yeah, it took me a while to come back to myself, you know, like, and I feel like as children, you are, you were born with a clean slate, no labeling, no sort of negativity or thought patterns that are clouding your judgment. And then through life, all of those things kind of chip away at who you really are at the core. And I feel like children will demonstrate who they are in the very beginning. You have to, as an adult, you have to pay attention to what they're gravitating towards. So, um, so yeah, to answer the question, I just, I feel like it took a while. I had this aha moment that really changed the trajectory of my life 10 years ago. And that's when I started coming back to my inner child and being who I said I was going to be. So we're going to get to the aha moment, but Mm -hmm. I do have a question. Why children's book author, right? Do you think Mm -hmm. it's because you have this love for reading as a child or is there something innate to you that you really believe is important when it comes to what it means to be a good children's book author? Why children's books? Uh, For me, I am writing to not only children, I'm not only writing for children, but I'm also writing to adults, the inner child inside adults, because I think a lot of us grow up uh, with childhood traumas that are not all the time healed. So we grow up as adults and we're carrying those same uh, insecurities, those, those same things that haunted us when we were younger. So I put my work in children's form because I want to also speak to people, adults, who are reading it and they can touch that inner child as well as, you know, shaping the minds of tomorrow's future. So, so yeah, that's why I, uh, I chose children because that that's, you're able to um, grow their mind and develop them starting at an early age. It's a lot harder to rework all the inner workings when you're an adult. All right. So before we get to that aha moment that you had in 2012, right. Mm-hmm. Um, set us up. What was going on in your life prior to 2012? Where were you professionally, maybe personally? Like, what was this moment? Set the scene for us and then take us to the aha moment. So prior to this aha moment in 2012, 
I, okay, let's back, let's go to 20, 2009. Okay. So I graduated um, from Loyola Marymount University uh, in 2009. And from there, I was like, you know what, I need, I'm on this law path. And I've taken, while I was going to school, I was also working full time. And I realized that, um, or let me scratch that, not when I graduated, I started working full time first and then studying for the LSAT and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working, I realized that I didn't really like the pattern of getting up early, sitting in the car, sitting in traffic, then go and sit at a desk, deal with office politics, <laughs> then, does, right? then, <laughs> then come home, get, no, go back to traffic, go back home and be too tired to even eat dinner. So like that's, I felt like that was a pattern. And I was in my early twenties and I was like, this couldn't, this can't be life. There has to be something more that I'm called to do and no shade or disrespect to people who are fine with that lifestyle. I just felt like there was something tugging at me that was a little bit deeper than how I was operating. I I felt like I was uh, operating below my potential. Mm -hmm. And so this is like now 2010, 2011, I'm just feeling so um, depressed with the monotony of my life. Like I'm done with school. Um, okay. I finished grad school at this point. What's next? I, what else can I do? Like, I just, I still feel empty. I'm doing all these things, checking the boxes, but I still feel empty. Um, there was an event that happened at work. It was maybe 2014, 2015. And I was putting, I thought to myself, you know, I can, um, at the time I had my poetry book out. And so I was like, okay, well, I can pursue my creative outlet. So you were still dabbling. You were still like kind of doing yeah. a bit of your creative stuff on the side, right? Yeah. And so I, I still doing the creative stuff, playing both sides, like, you know, working, I have my creative outlet, but then I'm also working. Um, but there was something that was like a triggering point for me when I got a performance review rating that I didn't agree with. And um, uh, the manager had said, your contributions didn't directly impact the business. And I was crushed because I felt like, <laughs> right. I, I felt like I was putting Excuse more me. effort. Exactly. I was putting in more effort, more time into like making sure I'm adding value to the team and to, and to get that kind of feedback. It, it really hurt me. And so I was like, you know what, I need to shift gears and focus on myself. I can create my own impact. No, that, that I think is, a big aha moment for a lot of us, right? And it, mm-hmm. it takes, like, how did you feel when you realized you could do this, right? Because I remember I had that moment within my own, like, job career where you really mm-hmm. have to sit back and say, wait, I really could do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I um, I had a coworker who was sharing a little bit about self-publishing and how she put out her book. And that kind of inspired me to dig a little deeper and say how, I mean, you put out your work. Okay, let me look into this and see how I could do that too, because that's a goal of mine. Um, so I did some research and I came across, um, at the time it was CreateSpace, Amazon's publishing platform. Now it's Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, I can put together my poetry. These are things that I wrote from age six to 26. Let me, let me do that. I'm skipping ahead because I didn't, I didn't mention the aha moment, but, um, I you're guess we can go back. To- you're setting the scene. No, no, no. I think yeah. let's go back to the moment. I know that. Okay. There was a sermon in 2012. Tell us about that sermon and really why did it, you know how I want to ask why did it hit home for you? Because Mm -hmm. I think we can hear things all the time, right? Like growing up, my mother used to always tell me you can bring a donkey to the water, but you can't make him drink, right? Mm -hmm. It's the idea of you could tell people to do things all day long, but they won't do it until they're ready, right? Yes. So for you, when you heard this sermon, of course, you'll tell us more, right? Why? Why did that impact you so much? So what was the sermon? What was the sermon first? Okay, the sermon was, so this is um, New Year's Eve 2012. And Bishop Dale Bronner, who's a bishop out of Word of Faith Family Church in Atlanta, he said, don't die with your gift still on the inside of you. Impart to others what was entrusted to you. Why did that hit me? I think it hit me because leading up to that, I felt empty. I felt like I was living beneath my calling. I felt like I was putting out 
believing that I'm sharing my value, but not it not getting received. And I've, I, I knew that I needed to take control of my own destiny and make it happen. So I think first you have to seek it and wonder, want more, right? Because you could, someone else could listen to that and brush over it and it not stop them in their tracks. For me, it was a halt. Like I need to take action because I could leave this earth without sharing who I truly am. Did you at that point know what your gift was? I, hmm, that's a really good question. I knew, I knew what made my heart sing. I, I like projects. I like being creative. I like putting things together. I knew what made me um, intrigued and engaged at that time. I, but yeah, I would say that I, I would say it's a talent. I would say it's a gift at the time I was calling it a gift. Okay. No, no. I say that just because I think sometimes just for people listening in, like a lot of people aren't, not that they don't know, but they aren't in tune with it. Right. Do you have any tips for people who may be struggling with trying to just define it or commit to what that thing is for them? Yeah. I think the journey to identifying your gifts, your talents, is really a journey of self-discovery. You can't just be always on the go, go, go. You have to really sit with yourself and pay attention, have that self-awareness to know, okay, well, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, what, what are some things that you do that makes you lose track of time? What are things that you love doing? Um, and it's it comes easy for you. And most people compliment you about it and say, oh, you're really good at this. Or can you do this for me? Pay attention to people's feedback because therein lies your gifts most of the time. And if you're still not sure, I would ask your closest friends or family members five things, five um, characteristics that they like about you or five uh, descriptors of you if you can't think of it on your own and that can get you going. But I would really say, I would really recommend paying attention to what makes you lose track of time because a lot of times we're like, say we love, I don't know, scrapbooking or organizing or whatever. We lose track of time because we love it so much, but we don't know that that's actually something that's a gift to us, something that comes easy to us and hard for others. Okay, no, thank you for sharing that. And I know you spoke about this earlier, but just to give context to aha moment number two, after getting the performance review, this came after the, you hearing the sermon, right? So the sermon, the sermon came first. Okay, so that was 2012. Yes. And the performance review was, what year was this? Were you it was like 2014, 2015. Okay. So, so at that time I had one book out, the poetry book. And okay. in that moment, I was like, okay, I can do both. I can have my creative outlet and then I can also work my way up the corporate ladder. And then in 2014 or 15, when I got that performance review feedback that my contributions don't um, directly impact the business, <laughs> I was like, wait, I can create my own impact. And so that kind of, in that season, that accelerated my other idea, which was to uh, put out a children's book based off of my own childhood insecurity. So while I was writing the poetry book, I had quickly jotted down an outline and notes about what I wanted the children's book to be. And then when I had that that performance review feedback, I was like, no, I there's a book, there's another book in me. I can create my own uh, impact and I have the power to make things come to pass. So that's when I was like, you know, this is what catapulted me into starting the I'm Unique brand. So quick question. Mm -hmm. How did it end up with that job? Did they, you know, did you stay there? Because I I wouldn't want to stay somewhere that told me I wasn't impacting them, right? Yeah, so I ended up, um, they they went through reduction. So I was on the list. So I left that place, um, four days before my birthday in 2016. So do you think looking back, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that was like a blessing in a way or that was, it needed to happen for you? It it needed to happen because there was no opportunity for growth anyway. And if I feel like I'm not being appreciated or undervalued and they're not seeing my contributions or it's not impacting the bottom line, I can do that for myself. I just felt like, you know, I can keep on pressing on and um, charting my own path. 
All right. So this is the part that I am unique brand, right? I think this is just a beautiful story and just so much that we can relate to. Talk to us a little bit about your personal story with your birthmark and how this how this inspired you to build something and help inspire children, especially. Yeah. So I was really insecure about having a birthmark. It's um, a greenish, dark greenish color, and it covers a quarter of my back has it's covered with with freckles too and it was something that was really distinct I didn't see a lot of people with it um not until my adult years and growing up in a predominantly white area I would always get comments like oh is that a bruise is is that a did you get burned like Uh. and I don't like I didn't like so much attention on me and so I felt really insecure I would cover it up where I wouldn't wear certain dresses or uh, tops that exposed. You lived in like a a pretty, you know, not tropical, but like the environment wasn't one like here where it's cold or you could easily cover, you know, you're wearing long sleeves and stuff, right? Right. I was wearing shirts, like T-shirts, long sleeves, like any, even during track season, I would wear (laughs) under my uniform a T-shirt because I didn't want anybody looking at it or talking about it. And in, in hindsight, it was really all in my head. Um, all I, to me, all I had to do was say, it's a birthmark and keep it moving. But that was, that was something that was, was keeping me from being who I truly was back then. Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega, Veneta. At eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out eBay's team of luxury authenticators are making sure you never get faked over again. Watches inspected by watch aficionados, sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads, handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs, and jewelry in the scopes of expert gemologists. These authenticators are leaders in their field with meticulous eyes, making sure your piece arrives as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection. As experts, they know the true difference between a real and a fake. Real carries that rare, distinguished feel. The weight of pure platinum, exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured, your Rolex moves just like a Rolex should, and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real... Visit ebay.com for terms. Buying your first home can be overwhelming. What is that guy called that's going to give us the money? Who do we talk to next? I'm Nadeska Alexis, and I'm sitting down with real people to talk about their essential home buying questions. And I'm asking some of the top real estate experts in the country to weigh in. Purchasing a home is not a process of selection. It is a process of elimination. Get an insider's view into buying your first home by tuning into Beginner to Buyer on wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I remember from my high school prom, I wanted to look absolutely beautiful that night. Uh, so I had the makeup artist cover it up with foundation. And fast forward to today, I realized that no one should feel so insecure that they cover up a piece of who they are. So um, that's that's the inspiration behind uh, I Am Unique. And Erin, who's the main character, she has a birthmark on her face, um, it is about a little girl with a birthmark, but I also want to talk about the fact that it's it's it should be taken figuratively um, because everybody has some sort of birthmark, something that mm. keeps them scared, keeps them insecure, and they want to cover it up. So the message is to inspire kids and even adults to overcome their insecurities, whatever it may be, and share their gifts with the world. How did Erin in the book overcome that? Or is that something that she's continuously doing? Yeah. So the first book in the series, she is, she has a birthmark and she's really um, passionate about acting. That's her natural gift. Mm -hmm. A friend tries to discourage her uh, for, for trying out. um, She wants to try out for the leading role in her school's play, but her friend tries to discourage her. So now she has to figure out if she's going to let that get in the way of her dream. Yeah. Uh, She ends up without giving away too much, but she does end up overcoming it. But there's a message, a a larger message about self-love, sharing your gifts despite of, right? People will project their limiting beliefs and their labels onto you, but to show up despite of that and be authentically who you are. So in the other stories that were developing, Aaron is going to be inspiring other kids to overcome their insecurities and share their gifts. 
What was the process like of creating this character and just putting this dream into motion, literally, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that's so intriguing. And I know a lot of our listeners may want to know, so how did you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my process is I really take from my own experience. Those are the best stories. Yeah. Uh, I had someone in my life uh, point out my birthmark and say that I can't do this or you can't do that. And then so I kept... Um, I kept small for a long, long time. And so I use that as inspiration to write this story. And I think anyone who wants to get into writing fiction or writing for children, pull from your childhood experiences. You can also survey your audience or survey your ideal readers and find out what kind of things are they interested in that are not in the market. So I think for me, my process is definitely heavily influenced by what I've experienced and what people have shared with me that they've experienced. And from a logistical standpoint, what was the toughest thing about actually making this book happen? Mm. I know a lot of people, you know, did you go the self-publishing route in this way? Or did you work with a publisher? I did go the self-publishing route. I think with my first book, the biggest challenge was it was my first one. So I didn't make all the, the right steps. I didn't take all the right steps. So for example, um, the biggest thing, and I, I see this as a number one mistake for authors, especially independent authors, is that they're not identifying who their audience is. So mm. they think that their book is for everyone. Everyone's going to love it just because <laughs> they put it out. They're not doing their homework. Um, so that was something that uh, I, I noticed when I first put on my first book, I wasn't promoting it. I wasn't putting myself out there. I thought it was enough to just throw it up on Amazon, go to two events that year, and then boom, it's going to be. You're going to be um, bestseller, New York Times bestseller, right? Right. So yeah, and it's not, and that's not enough. So this time around with building um, a, a children's media brand, I'm like, no, I need to get out of my own way, put myself out there. One thing that I have said too, is that we can't use a lot of writers are introverts. We can't use our introversion as an excuse not to get up and do something like put ourselves out there. So that's something that I quickly changed. I quickly developed the skill sets because people, you can do it. It might be uncomfortable at first. It might be scary. You know, it might be daunting. But who, if you don't advocate for yourself, who's going to? I love that you mentioned introversion because I had a note here that I think on your website, you said that you're I, INFJ. So I'm an ENFJ. So we didn't get oh, along. We're just okay. opposite, <laughs> but I also feel like I can operate within INFJ worlds, right? For people who don't understand, that's like a Meyer-Briggs personality test, right? Where I means um, introverted, N means intuitive, F means feeling, and J is judgmental, right? So Mm -hmm. that's kind of like your personality type in a nutshell. So I love that you mentioned introversion because I think that even within like this podcast and the people that I talk to, a lot of people think in order to get ahead, you have to be like this out there person. You have to be this Mm -hmm. fearless leader, you know, and that's not the case. Like what Mm -hmm. tips would you have? Because you are, you would, you know, you are introvert. What were some concrete things that you did that helped you that you think other introverts could understand? Right? Like, was, was there something that you, like a way you, you approach problems or something that you had to really commit to or be disciplined mm-hmm. about in order to, you know, get where you are today? I made the decision that I need to. So, oh, first off, we're living in such a hyper connected world. And the digital media really runs the world. We're in an area where we can like look at me and you on different opposite coasts connecting with each other. And I realized that if I want anything to move, I'm going to have to get in, get out of my own way and start doing more, more videos, posting video content on social media, sharing my voice, because I do believe that when, um, when I speak, people are intrigued and they want to learn more. So my tip for introverts Though it's, it's daunting at first, try, you know, you're going to have to start talking about your brand and you can't let, let it happen up. Just let it be, just leave it up to chance is what I'm trying to say. And another thing that I've done is take improv classes. So that is to me there. Yes. So improv, like for me, I'm so, I'm a planner. I'm always like preparing and taking calculated risks, but in entrepreneurship, 
you're not going to have like a dotted or a checklist to go, oh, boom, boom, boom. I did this and this. This is it's going to be great after that. No, I have to know how to work the room, navigate spaces. I'm going to have to speak up. And there might be situations where I'm not even prepared. So I took improv. I'm still in the um, I'm on in a, a class right now. But I would suggest going into improv and being more comfortable on camera and uh more comfortable on camera and then also um, thinking on your feet because you're not always going to have things exactly the way you planned or intended it to be. What's the biggest shift that you saw within yourself once you started taking those classes? Mm, Not to take myself so seriously and to eliminate the inner critic Mm. because our instructor would say, oh, at the end of every skit, he'll be like, what's coming up for you guys? And I would be critical about what I'm what I did or how I performed and then he's saying he has said for us to not think about it to just keep going like we're in a supportive environment just roll with roll with it so that's the biggest takeaway for me to like I am my own worst critic and that could be something that's limiting my potential too I love that you mentioned that because so many of us don't realize how much that inner critic is being a dream killer in our lives. Does that make any sense? Like, the inner critic is killing our abilities to really ride towards our dreams. Oh, yeah. It's, and and there are people who are critics, but we don't even give them a chance to criticize. We're doing all the criticizing themselves, ourselves. So, yeah, we definitely, getting out of our own way, getting out of our head, that's definitely something that'll help you pursue your dreams. All right. So I have a question because you mentioned this and you said that I am unique, right, is a children's media brand. Mm -hmm. You didn't say it is a children's book line. Right. I think that's a very important um, distinction. So talk to me about why that's so important. It's so important because people get caught up on just the book because they see the book, but they're not looking at the brand as a collective because not only is a is it a book it's a self-love mission it's a movement it we have books coloring books guides we also have merchandise so um we have several touch points for people to connect with Erin we are positioning her as a face of self-love um and one of our next projects or next things that we're doing right now is putting um adapting the children's book into an animated series so we are on our way to start pitching the streaming platforms Ooh. and production studios so this is a brand, just like how Doc McStuff and Dora, Explore, Dora Explorers out there. This is it started as a book, but it has grown into so much more. And it's that that's all it takes. Right. I think sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of us and maybe we can talk about this the idea of dreaming big. Mm-hmm. And I think even because you are, you know, you speak to children. I won't say primarily, but and the adults with them who are reading with them. Right. Why do you think the idea of dreaming big is so important? And do you feel like you're dreaming big enough? And maybe I'm asking you that, but I should ask myself <laughs> that because that's something that you're, I'm thinking about like, how big is the dream? And are we even limiting how big things can go, right? Am I, there are moments where I'm still thinking small. And I have have a business partner who is really good at big thinking. And sometimes the big thinking scares me because I'm like, okay, let me, I have to reverse engineer. Like the the planner in me, I'm like, okay, this big idea, how are we going to do this? So I get nervous thinking about those things. But to answer your question, I do think big. There are opportunities for me to think even bigger. One thing that I wanted to talk about with the with the um, with your I am unique brand is how did you approach distribution? Right? Did you say, okay, I only want to sell online. I want to try to get into stores because the biggest thing with a lot of people who are book publishing is the marketing of the book <laughs> and building the audience. Right? What was your approach to that, Jennifer? So my approach was to focus on online channels. So I Am Unique is available on our website, as well as Amazon, of course, and uh, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Uh, We also do, um, our book is available at um, a multicultural bookstore called Miha Books, uh, located out here. So marketing definitely is something that I love to talk about and and what I like to teach authors who are on the fence about book marketing because they think like once the book is done that's it that's but the you have part to, sometimes <laughs> right the heart the the I would say the part that you have to grow into is talking about your work 
sharing to people why they need to buy it. What is the, what value are they going to get from it? So um, I have a course actually about how to effectively market your work, how to put yourself out there um, for people who are busy and not want to make this like a second job. So leveraging social media, leveraging video marketing, uh, going out there and sharing your message. We also do a lot of this year more so than ever now that we're kind of the pandemic is a little bit behind us. We've been doing a lot more in-person events. So marketing that way and meeting our customers face-to-face has definitely been impactful. One thing that I noticed too, with being a Black author, a Black female author at that, is that not a lot of people get to see the people who write the books that they read. And so little girls are coming up to me and saying, you wrote this? Like, and they can, and they're inspired. They, They don't know. You can only dream as far as what you can see. So I love doing in-person events and um, we're actually going to be heading out in New York to New York in December to do another event. So, so yeah, marketing is definitely something that is essential and is needed because if you're not speaking about your work, you can't expect for people to know about it. What do you think was the most effective marketing tactic or something that you did that drove results in a way that you didn't really imagine initially? Mm. I would say um, pitching to media outlets um, has been something that has been effective because when you're sharing your message or when you're pitching to journalists or um, uh, other media outlets, you want to be able to spread that message and you can leverage other people's audience and platforms, especially when you're first starting out. And when you do that, you're also exposing your, people are seeing your work, right? And then you're establishing authority um, and people get to learn more about your story. So I think that's an effective way. Video for me has been effective because people are able, like I mentioned, people are able to see the person behind the book and be able to resonate with it. Another effective thing that I do is I constantly share my why. I share what inspires me. That's the number one question I get. What inspired you to write this book? Like, what possessed you to do this? So I always, <laughs> I always done anything. Yeah, right. right. No, I like that. You know, I think the thing that a lot of people get might get intimidated by is they may be they may say, but Jennifer, I don't know how to do it. Right? I didn't like. How did you learn? Because nobody, I know, even with starting a podcast, right? I mm-hmm. think there's something, and this is where I think it goes into being an introvert, extrovert. Like it doesn't matter if you have something and you want to see it to be successful. You're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable. Maybe mm-hmm. invest in someone who can teach you. Right? Kind of like you have your course, um, or maybe it's even about taking the time to just be a student of the industry. Was Mm -hmm. that something that you had to do in order to really find your way in building this brand? Yes. Um, I believe in building your network and also aligning yourself in spaces that make sense, right? So for example, I'm a member of the Children's Media Association. We have a chapter out here in LA. I always go to the events, learn about the people in the business. Um, what else do I do? Women in women in um, animation is another uh, network that I'm a part of. So engaging in these professional networks, seeking mentorship is also crucial. People who have been in the game for several years who can show you the ropes, that's something that has helped me learn. I study the industry. I also do my own research, right? Find out what works, what doesn't work. I do, I conduct surveys with my mailing list to find out what do they want to hear? What do they want to hear from me? What are their kids struggling with? What would they like to see that they haven't seen out there before? So yeah, a lot of research, a lot of studying the craft and just putting it out there too. not getting stuck with, oh, should I do this or should I do that? I'm testing it. I'm figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So it's a process, right? And I think that's the the process I'm taking away is like you can't have this dream and just think that you're going to get there. I say get there overnight. And I think so many people get hung up here, right? Mm -hmm. You had that second aha moment where you had the, the, let's think about it. 10 years ago is when like this whole, I would say things really started shifting Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. 10 years is a long time. And for some people, they may say, I would have gave up by now, right? (laughs) But what was the thing for you that made you realize that there's no timeline? I'm guessing there's no, you might have a timeline, I don't know. Right? I mean, I had, I have a, a a timeline, but God's plan is God's plan. So, yeah. like, I feel, I mean, I, I just cannot stop. Like, there's just something. I just, I, in my mind, I'm like, I am going to keep going because I was entrusted to do this. 
So there really is no no timeline. Um, I will continue putting myself out there, continue spreading the message because I feel like this is something that I'm called to do. Um, I'm not even thinking like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? No, I'm just There's relentless. There's no plan B, right? There's no plan B. I can't stop. Like every time, even in moments where I'm experiencing darkness, you know, I'm right now I'm in a in a season where I'm just a lot of things are going on, family oriented, work oriented, like things are happening. And I feel like these are signs. These are things that are, there's resistance happening. And I feel like if I continue to push through, there's going to be a breakthrough. Um, and it's just my signal to keep, to keep going. There's this, um, I know some people will quit, but I feel like I will succeed because I'm the last one standing. And there's like, I'm definitely very strong willed. I get it from my mother. I get it from my grandmother. (laughs) There's, you can't tell me anything. I've seen too much for you to tell me otherwise. That's just something that I have in the back of my mind and something that's been ingrained in me just to be strong willed. And if I have if I set my mind to something, I'm going to make it come to pass. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that because, you know, all of us have these unique things about us. And it may for me. So, for example, I may not be strong willed, but I may have something else. Right. So if you're listening in. There is something about you that if you truly tap into that kind of what Jennifer was saying. Right. That's your fuel when there's no gas in the car, right? (laughs) That's really what I'm taking away from here. Um, One thing that I did want to ask you, because I think it's something that we all struggle with, me personally, Mm -hmm. as you guys know. So I did have a a season where I was doing Dreams and Drive full-time, freelancing, trying to figure it out. And then I said, you know what? I had to kind of go back into the corporate world, had a baby, you know, had to have like a stable income. And I'm realizing right now in the season that I'm in, I'm able to have both a career, right? A full-time job and also do the things I love. For you, were you able to get back to a place where you were able to, like, are you doing this full-time? I think that's the biggest question. And if not, how do you balance Mm. these two different worlds that you're in? Yeah, so I still um, have a traditional employer. I still work a nine to five while pursuing my dream. Um, I chose to do that because I am um, on the path to building multiple streams of income. And then I also have aspirations and goals within real estate. And so there are some strategies that I want to um, take advantage of and and have that W-2 right there. So, you know, I am keeping it for now. But I mean, as soon as things start ramping up where I'm like, I can't be at two places at one time. Yeah, that that thing is going to have to be given up. But um, I, I, I juggle both right now. And how do I balance? I get up early. I know right this is the early. Yeah. Interview, right? <laughs> so. but it's like, yeah, I get up. I get up early. I do things. Um, I, I um, schedule meetings during my lunch hour. You know, instead of kicking with my workmates, I take that time to really double down on what's going to propel me forward. I think when you have a line of sight on where you want to be, then nothing is going to get in your way. You have to decide that you are going to do what you need to do in order to be where you want to be. So right now, while I still have um, some youth on my side, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to get the work done. And then if it comes down to come down, then I'll, I'll make that exit. But I have some strategies in place where it's fine for now, but it's not going to be long-term. So I like that you said if you have like that side of vision, right? What would you say to that person who's really just struggling with figuring out what that vision is? Like if you don't have a vision for yourself, but you mm. want to have it or you're you're really struggling with committing to the dream, what would you say to that person? It would I would say it goes back to that self-discovery th- point that I made that you have to really sit with yourself and not compare your journey to others. It really takes time. If there is some, if there is a goal, if there is something that you want to do and you want to, um, that you aspire to be, find a mentor. And, and by mentorship, you don't have to have a formal mentor. You can have, you can be mentored from afar. You can find someone who is in a particular position that you aspire to be and read about their work, attend their events, support them and learn as much as you can. If you're in, if you don't, if you don't have the vision for yourself, 
Um, it, it does take some time to explore what you like, what you're interested in, what is your plan for your life. One thing that I did was, um, when did I do it? Like last year, I wrote out a hundred life goals. Start asking yourself, what are your goals? What do you want to do in this lifetime? We're not promised tomorrow. You know, we're not promised next week. What are you going to do in this lifetime? And when you start writing down your goals, writing down your visions, writing stuff down, because when you see it, that's when, that's the first step. That's the first step in actualizing it. I like the idea of writing down a hundred goals. I think I read this article where this person had like a hundred, like a hundred things on their bucket list that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, like you said, just putting it there makes it so much more real, right? Right. So much more real for ourselves. I was going to say, maybe they need to read this book, right? And get that inspiration (laughs) from Erin. It's, I think it's for maybe, maybe it is, you know, maybe that could be an insecurity. Kind of how you said it's not always a physical insecurity, right? Maybe it's the committing to something because you may think deep down that you can't do it, right? Yes. I think a lot of us are trying to, we, we believe in ourselves, but we have struggled. We struggle with truly believing in ourselves. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Because you can very at surface level say, hey, I can do it. Anyone can say I can do it, but do you believe you can do it? That's the thing a lot of us are really, really, you know, working through. And conquering that mindset is key. You only go as far as what you see for yourself. If you do not reprogram that mindset, you will forever stay in that stuck place. And some people never get out of it. If you, I think you're ahead when you are aware that you're stuck and you want to do something about it. Conquering that mind, man, is that something that is just so, um, that's a journey in itself. Yeah, trying to yeah because if you don't if you're if you're not around a, a certain community or you weren't raised a certain way you might not know or you might not be exposed to certain things so you have these limitations on your life trajectory but when you see and branch out and start seeking knowledge and seeking inspiration that's when things begin to unfold yeah and I was even going to say to you I love that you are investing in our children because I think that I have a son now. And now I feel like every time I talk about him, I get emotional. Mm. But I see the world so differently now that I have a son because I think we can all do work on ourselves. But if we can impact that next generation, right? Imagine if every person who read your book, every young girl or boy, whoever, right? Every young person who reads your book doesn't feel limited by these insecurities or things that other people may try to make them feel bad about. That's power, mm-hmm. right? And when we put that power, especially into these youth's hands, think of what they can create. And just right. think of how much the world can truly alter and be changed. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate that. No problem. Like it, the skies, there is no limit. There is no limit when you know um, exactly who you are. And why you were placed on this earth. So so talk to our, you know, audience about what's next for you. Oh, you actually, wait, hold on. I had this question. I, I forgot to ask you about mm-hmm. it. So are there other things that you're passionate about? Because I know that you, I think you mentioned somewhere that you really love eyewear, right? Yes. Right now, you guys, if you go and watch like, <laughs> from this, you have some dope glasses, right? Are there other things you're interested in as well? Like, I know you said you have real estate too. Like, how do you see the creative entrepreneur in yourself blooming and really thriving? Yes, I do have other passions outside of writing. And I do have an interest in real estate because I'm I'm really focused on building wealth, right? And doing something different than what my my parents and my parents' parents did. You know, not that, you know, they did anything wrong or incorrectly. They did the best they could at the time. And I truly feel that I <clears throat> was placed here to really change the trajectory of of my family and generations to come. Like, I feel like there's a shift. There's no one, there's no other children's author book author in my family. There's nobody in this space. I come from a long list of medical professionals. So I feel like I'm charting a path and like, and it's, and it's up to me to, to change and make that shift. I also, um, have a passion for, as you mentioned, eyewear, I'm putting it out there. You will see me with my own eyewear line one day, um, sooner than later, but that's something I've been, um, and that actually came from me being, uh, 
at first, like I would, I always wanted to have contacts because I'm like, you know, I'm tired of wearing glasses and this and that. I just want to do something different, be like the cool kids and wear contacts. But if you, I don't, I don't like touching my eyes. So I get really queasy when I'm putting, trying to touch it. If I get an eyelash in there, it's just, it's just going to stay in there. So I've developed, I was like, you know, if these things are going to be on my face, (laughs) why not accessorize? Like it's a, it's a personal, it's a part of my personal style. Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. And yeah, other passion, what I love, um, I just would love to create a flywheel effect around my personal brand, like the Jennifer Vassell brand, not only am I a children's book author, but if I'm speaking on stages, oh, well, you know, my clothing or my eyewear, like it all. I love your top. I mean, I can't see the rest of the outfit, but (laughs) it's probably a dope outfit. (laughs) I just, I just love, um, expressing myself in creative ways. And when this, this dress actually is from, um, is it Andrea um, Pitter? Yes. That print looks very familiar. Is that from her new Amazon launch? Yes, it's from her you Amazon launch. quick. So they put yeah. Amazon products to you. I was like, didn't it just drop? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you like, that offhand. Off I was like, oh, this will be perfect. You know, triple threat, three Jamaicans. Like, okay. Yes, <laughs> and then she's on the podcast too. She just had a baby. I'm gonna have. Yes. To, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna text her and be like, Andrea, someone just had your uh, Jennifer Vassell, a children's mm-hmm. book author. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's so dope. Look at that connection there. Yes. This is what I love. But, yeah, I love expressing myself not only through writing, but just like. I want to be able to make a statement without opening my mouth. And if I open my mouth, that's a bonus, right? That's like I just want to because yeah. like people, like you said, when these when these children are looking up, like who's making the book, like they're gonna remember you, right? And yeah. I'm not. I think as dream drivers, maybe we can end here. It's like it's okay to be memorable, right? It's okay mm-hmm. for people to to leave a mark. That is what we're here. Like leave a mark. Kind of what you said with the uh, the sermon that really had an impact on you. Yeah. Like you don't want to leave this earth without imparting our gifts. We leave your mark, right? And in that mark will be your gifts, your presence, your persona, how you make people feel. There's so much here that we can leave a mark on the world. So I just want to say like, thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing your story today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. And so tell our listeners where they can find you online, if they want to connect, if they want to buy one of your books, like let us know where we can get all that good stuff. Yes. So uh, I Am Unique is available on Amazon, on our own site, IamUniqueBrand.com. If you want to stay connected with us, you can go to I Am Unique book. Um, If you want to connect with me personally, my personal page is Jennifer D. Vassell everywhere and JenniferVassell.com. All right, so that's a wrap for this episode of Dreams and Drive. I hope you enjoyed our guest's dream driving journey as well as listening to their keys to success. If you love this episode, you know what to do. Please make sure that you are following us. We are at Dreams and Drive across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're sharing this episode, posting it to your Instagram stories, texting it to a friend, sharing on LinkedIn, wherever you are or online. Just pay this forward and share this with somebody. We really appreciate it. And all the sharing that you do helps us grow our community. If you want to join our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates delivered to your inbox, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. And lastly, if you know somebody who would be great for this show, or if you are someone who would be great for this show, please go to dreamsanddrive.com slash pitch. I'm always accepting new guests. I'm always accepting new pitches. So I love to see those pitch requests coming in. Keep dreaming, keep driving, and we'll chat again in the next episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>